0: Welcome to the Live, Ride, Learn podcast, where we are learning and growing together through stories. This is your host, Sarah Hickner, and I cannot wait for you to hear today's episode. It is legit. But first, a little word from Streamhorse. Horse. Today's episode of Live, Ride, Learn is brought to you by Stream Horse TV. Stream Horse TV is the premier international digital community where horse enthusiasts come together to expand the horizons in equine sports and culture. Streamhorse TV is elevating equestrian entertainment, increasing accessibility and boldly uniting the global horse world, celebrating the horse as our beloved common thread. Follow the herd over to Streamhorse TV for their groundbreaking free video series, articles and the Streamhorse TV guide. Subscribe to Streamhorse TV for free at www.streamhorse.tv and you can follow them on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter and YouTube all at the same name at streamhorse tv today i have an author as a guest and i'm so excited for everyone to meet him because uh kareem when i read your book i was in love i, I just love it like oh, and funny you. thing so it's a memoir and the funny thing with a memoir is you get to the end and you feel like you know the person so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i don't know if that's weird for you or not that i know you and you don't know me but um I really enjoyed your book. And I don't like very many memoirs. I'm super picky. And so whenever I find one that I like, I can't shut up about it. So everyone knows you've I've actually blogged about your book. Anyway, so I'm going to introduce Kareem real quick. And then I'm going to ask you a million questions.
1: So no, care. no, th- no. Thank you. Thank you. It's uh, I'm glad you you enjoyed the book. And um, that means we, you know, um, you know, it was it was well written. And, uh, you know, that it capture your attention. So I'm, I'm glad. Yeah, to
0: I it. I loved it. Okay. So I'm going to read your little bio from the back of the book, but then I'm going to ask, I want to like really know you. Cause I feel like the bio just shows how smart you are. Okay. So Kareem Rosser is from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. He received a BA in economics from Colorado state university while at CSU, he led his collegiate polo team to a national polo championship. At the same time, he was honored as the intercollegiate polo player of the year. After graduation, Kareem began working as a financial analyst at as an added asset management firm. Also, he serves as the executive director of a nonprofit fundraising arm called Friends of Work to Ride. Okay, we want to know you. Okay, because that's just about how smart you are and how good you are at Polo, uh, which I can't wait to talk to you about. Um, but, very important question What do you eat for breakfast?
1: wow that's a good question i mean normally it depends honestly so i'm a i'm the uh early morning guy so i'm up you know at 5 a.m 6 a.m almost every day um but in some days i'll choose to, to eat breakfast but most days i'll go and i'll go to a local bagel shop and, and have a bacon egg and cheese uh bagel uh for breakfast
0: that sounds really good
1: so yeah
0: when it's up at it's, five or six are you doing are you working or Are you doing like a miracle morning or Are you what's happening at five and six it, in the
1: morning? i mean honestly i you know since military school which you read about um yeah. it's uh you know during my time there our wake up was you know 5 a.m 6 a.m every day and that was you know back in eighth grade so since then really that kind of stuck with me um just kind of waking up really early even if i'm you know just you know sitting around maybe drinking tea um But I, uh, you know, I'm up and and most days now, you know, I'm in the office by 6 a.m., 7 a.m. Just starting, you know, starting my day and working, checking, checking emails, um, catching up on things, um, doing a little bit of uh, reading. And, um, you know, I honestly find it my most productive time of the day because most people are still, you know, sleeping and and, and getting up. Um, But now, uh, you know, um, you know, kind of just trying to stay with that routine, even during COVID. Um, you know, I just wanted to try to just, you know, get up and and get my day started. I feel great early in the morning, um, by midday, I'm kind of, you know, ready to check out. So, uh, I just been an early riser ever since military school, really.
0: All right. So what time do you go to bed if you're waking up
1: that early? Um, believe it or not, I'm kind of an old man now, even though I'm 29 years old. Uh, I'm most nights I'm in bed nine, 10 o'clock if I can get in bed uh, by then. Um, so I would say you know I'm still getting close to you know eight hours of sleep um, most days
0: okay I just i I'm not good at waking up early I worked at the track for a couple years in college and I had to wake up so early for a couple years yeah that, like, literally after that I slept in for like five years to make yeah. up being <laughs> up and at the track before the sun was up
1: yeah i know i can I can't imagine though know, those you know early um you know, morning or 4 a.m., you know, freaking, uh, I guess, wake up calls to get to the track. Um, yeah. Yeah. That I do not envy you at all.
0: No. Well, I wanted it. So it was, I actually saw that, um, I, I follow you on Instagram and I had seen where you'd said, or maybe I heard this on the stream horse thing. One thing that you wanted to do was gallop a racehorse. And then I saw on Instagram that you galloped a racehorse. So how was it?
1: Yes, yes. I was actually gonna bring that up. We talked about the track. Uh it was it was incredible. Um, you know, I was uh, uh b- very good friends with the motions, um, Anita and Grand Motion. Uh-huh. And um, you know, they were gracious enough to allow me to come to their uh, farm in, in Maryland and um and, and gallop one of the horses. And you know, I I'm used to going fast, you know, being a, a polo player and, and riding a polo horse, but that's a it's a completely different uh uh, game you know riding a racehorse um they, the the power is it's incredible I mean trying to hold the horse back um was exhausting I think I was probably maybe a quarter quarter mile into the uh, into the gallop and I was ready to jump off just because yeah. I was I was I was, so, I was so tired um and I was gallop I wasn't even at a, a full breeze I think that's the difference between I guess when the horse is flat out yeah um, I was not breathing the horse i was galloping the horse and it still like felt i mean it was it, it was just it was exhilarating but also exhausting at the same time um yeah. and unfortunately it was a cold day so my hands were frozen to the reins and uh so that was not pleasant and um i wrote my stirrups were quite i guess my stirrups were quite long i wish they were a little shorter actually now i'm thinking about it because i had longer stirrups i didn't want to ride super short in my polar yeah. boots and uh, but it was it was it was great. It was great. It was it was a lot of fun. Um next time I do it, oh it's going it's gonna be a warm day for sure.
0: Yeah. Um
1: I'm gonna make sure I have gloves on my hands because I don't you Oh know, yeah,
0: you can't gallop without gloves.
1: Can't but, that was a, a poor decision. Yeah. Um and uh yeah, and then you know now I, I kind of know what to be prepared for because I yeah. did not know what to expect.
0: It is it's hard. I mean. I, I will say a lot of people don't ride with that short of stirrups. So I don't think you have to feel bad about not having your shirt, your stirrups cranked up like a jockey. Like, When my first day on the track, the guy who's teaching me to gallop said, the the longer you ride, the longer you ride. That was like, and I've never forgotten it. I'm like, the longer you ride, the longer you ride. Cause I got up on the horse and I started cranking my stirrups up to like the highest hole thinking I'm going to be like a jockey. And he's like, no, 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 put them back down. We are not jockeys here. We're exercise riders. Um, But yeah, when I galloped, I was like in the best shape of my life. And I'm actually writing a memoir, which is one reason I'm going to ask you a thousand questions. But um, I write about how hard of like how hard it is on your body to gallop, like how just difficult and all the muscles and I'm writing it and I'm like, I don't think there's any way that you can really explain to someone how many muscles you use galloping without them actually having tried it before like I think oh. they're gonna read it and be like oh this girl's such a sissy she had a hard time running on a horse and I'm just, e- just no,
1: no 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 you, I'll you know if you want a quote for me to add okay. into it I'll I'll, I'll <laughs> uh not that you need me to contribute to your memoir but no, you know it. I can you know I can uh, vouch for you and let you know that it is not it's not easy and um you know and I'm one of those guys, too, when you hear people talk about you know, how easy it is to play or, you know, to ride a horse in general. But, you know, you get on you use the muscle, you, the muscles you use, you know, it's like one of those things you can't really go into the gym and, um, you know, exercise and and hopefully, you know, build the right muscles to ride. It's just really riding and doing it. That's going to help it. So. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I um, I now know what to expect. Um, you know galloping horse and fortunately I was on an easy horse too supposedly so I don't know I don't even <laughs> want to know what it's like to, you know early morning cold the horses are feeling good and then just get ran off with you know um, yeah you know, that's the one thing I did not I didn't want to embarrass myself and get ran off with so that that was like my you know my <laughs> biggest thing it was like okay I can control this thing
0: that was literally every ride was like for me for like two years just yeah, to yeah. Get off with. I just don't want <laughs> to and it is they're 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 moving fast i mean i don't i went back and watched them gallop um a couple months ago and honestly i was like man i didn't remember going that fast like these people were flying around yeah gallop like not even the breeze it was yeah i was like whoa did i really do that every day (laughs) okay let's get back on track so what we're getting to know you what's your favorite color horse
1: my favorite color horse wow um I think I, I would probably say I love a shiny chestnut, you know. Really, yeah, I, I love, I, I love a really shiny chestnut horse with a, you know, really nice blaze in the front of its face. Um, yeah. You know, I think I think that's probably, you know, and then also all black too. Love love okay. uh, an all black horse, a very dark bay, like close to close to black. Yeah. Um, and grays are cute and all; they're nice, but you know, they're just they're. So, they're hard to maintain, you know, dealing with all the yeah. the, the grooming and, and trying to manage all the poop stains. It's just too much. So
0: I find um, the gray, very disappointing because they start out so beautiful with all those dapples. Yeah. That's probably my favorite is like the beautiful, like the steely gray. Yeah. You know, yeah. when they're three and four years old and I just think, gosh, I want that in my barn. Yeah. But in five years, he's going to be ugly and white and flue. yeah
1: <laughs> exactly so yeah I'm more yeah I'm more with chestnut and, and you know maybe through a really dark bay guy
0: yeah okay have you not have you spent much time with quarter horses
1: um I I have I've been around you know a fair amount of quarter horses I know you know at the work to ride stables we had a couple um but you know majority of my time really I would say probably thoroughbreds
0: okay that's I'm mostly thoroughbreds now but before like in when I was a kid, I barrel raced and did quarter horses. They come in a lot more fun colors. Like third yeah. reds were like chestnut bay, dark bay.
1: Yeah, right. yeah. Yeah, you know, quarter horse. You get a paint, you know, yeah. some, somewhere in the like, roans. Sort of, oh, yeah.
0: Like, roans and bay roans. And uh, I love the roans, but I haven't I never see them anymore. Yeah, we had
1: a really cool, well, we still do have a really cool uh Rhone um Mary And, um, she came to us a really long time ago, but she was our best polo pony, our best jumper, our best racer. Um, she was just, she was just incredible. So, um, and I think she was also featured on, I can't think it was the quarter horse magazine, or it was maybe it was a magazine. I think that featured Rome's, and she was featured one year, um, which was really cool because she's just like a a badass horse. Yeah. Um, And so now she's older, but she was and and. uh, you know, but she was, she was a really cool role the horse we had.
0: That's, uh, I love hearing about good horses. I have, I've had the same horse for 10 years and he doesn't, he's very, he's not. Yes.
1: Yeah. <laughs> he's not that interesting. It's eh, you he doesn't know? really like yeah. me.
0: I mean, he likes me, but he's just, he's still, he's like 16 and still tries to buck me off sometimes. Yeah. Like he's got personality. He's, yeah. He doesn't give you his heart. He's not that.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Which I part, part of me like really appreciates. And part of me is like, come on, dude. I've had you forever. Like a third of my life. Be nice.
1: Yeah. <laughs> That's quite funny.
0: Um. Okay. So I'm, <laughs> I just, I don't know why I came up with this question, but I did. Is your car as immaculate as I expect it to be?
1: It is. It is actually. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, I'm just a... As far as I'm assuming you're talking about just the inside, how clean, yeah. the cleanliness of it inside. Like yeah, it,
0: I imagine there being nothing in your car except for, I don't know, phone holder
1: or something. Like no, I, yeah, there's definitely a couple water bottles there. Um, okay. Try to I try to clean it maybe every two weeks as far as going to the car wash. Um, but yes, it, it is very clean, uh, similar to my apartment.
0: Okay. Maybe it's because I like know about your military school background, but I was just like, and I saw you on the stream horse TV thing and I could just tell from your personality that I'd be really embarrassed if you saw my car.
2: I
1: I would judge you. I would judge you. So I would totally get it (laughs) and just be like, oh, okay. Interesting. Um, You know, I would totally judge you, but that's okay. That's all right. I get it. But if you're at the, if you're at the bar and, you know, coming, you're traveling to and from the bar and a lot, I get it. Um, that's
0: the thing. I mean, and if you take out all the jackets, then you get to the barn and you're freezing. Yeah. Like I need multiple jackets and there's a difference in the jacket you wear when it's 20 degrees versus 40 degrees versus 60 degrees. I need all the jackets.
1: <laughs> I, absolutely. And I get it. I mean, I'm still judging you, but I'm, I, I get I it at the same time, you know, it's, it's totally fine. I, uh, but yeah, no, I, I, very anxious when i see a lot of clutter you know i see just and i don't think it's not because i I maybe i'm ocd but i don't i don't know it's just but to your point it's my military background it's you know my room had to be clean
2: 24
1: 7 whenever you know a senior officer or a staff member walked into my room if my bed was not made or my shoes were were like in the correct place or if there was trash around like that that was just you know instant trouble so that that stuck with me, you know. Similar to me waking up at five a.m., six a.m. You know, the school they did an incredible job, you know, with just you know instilling these, I guess, life qualities and skills that yeah. um, I've have gone on to help manage my day-to-day life now.
0: All right. Well, if we ever go somewhere in the same car, we'll take yours. Okay. <laughs> you don't have to judge me. And as I told, I have a friend. I went to her house. It was like. The, couple years ago and her house was like immaculate and she, but she had like three things on the counter and she was like Sarah I'm sorry it is such a mess and I was like hey girl we can be <laughs> friends but I'm never inviting you into my house but, you know like don't be offended yeah, I yeah. me. <laughs> okay so let's talk about polo I loved the opening story of your book okay wait let me describe my polo experience
1: yeah
0: I went to the University of Louisville for two years because I wanted to gallop and it's close to right. And I never imagined playing polo. And when I was in equine 101, which is one of our classes, this girl stood up and she said, I'm starting a polo team. Would you like, you know, I'm going to pass around a sign-up form. And so I was there for University of Louisville's inaugural polo team, which meant no one knew what they were doing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs)
0: and so and then the second year I was the president of the polo team still no one was any good and uh that was my experience it was a lot of fun I loved it um at our level and on our team just because no one knew anything about polo the girls who could ride we don't we only had like one guy on the team. Yeah. The girls who could ride were the only ones that made decent players, but we weren't actually decent players. We could just ride. So we could at least like get to the ball. Yeah. Um, I mean, we got decent, but we wouldn't even be ranked, you know, back. and Anyway, we were terrible. And it was a lot of fun though. It was like the most fun sport. And I've done so many things with horses. And whenever people want to know what my favorite is, it is always hands down polo. Yeah. And so when your story opened and you're talking about this horrible game with your brothers and one of your brothers lets out a cuss word really loud like on yeah. inner scholastic it's like this school-aged kid polo anyway yeah, it was yeah. just so good and like one of them's having a temper tantrum and then you're just trying to run the whole field and run the whole game uh-huh. like this is us <laughs> <laughs> I
1: connected with
0: that and I was cracking up yeah. and um Anyway, so talk, just tell me about Polo. I just want to talk about it again. It,
1: yeah, I, no, I, I love that. That's that's actually still one of my favorite stories. And I remember writing about it. And similar to you, I was cracking up laughing. Because <laughs> I also think about my brother Gerb, my brother Damar, a.k.a. Gerb, we refer to as Gerb.
0: Yeah. You know, when
1: he was a kid, he, like, described his hat. The worst temper tantrum ever and uh you know he um you know and now that he's older he's he still has a little attitude playing polo but it's no definitely not as nearly as bad as when he was a child and it's funny to like laugh about how you know angry he was as a kid because uh, it, it was the same thing off the field you know he, yeah. he was just an angry kid so we laugh about that now we were actually in our family chat maybe a couple of days ago, just making fun of him and how angry he used to be. Um, and, uh, you know, so that was, that's, that's, like one of my, like probably one of my favorite polo stories just to talk about um, just because, you know, it's, there's, there's obviously a lot of comedy there. And, and to think about how bad we really were as, you know, as young kids. And then, you know, out of nowhere, we kind of, no, I guess not out of nowhere, but, you know, over, over time, we became better players, um, but polo, it, I mean, the sport itself is just like incredible. Um, you know, there aren't many sports really, you know, where you have a animal as a partner, you know, as a, you know, athletic partner, um, you know, just, you know, as we are talking about horse racing, that's just a completely different beast in itself. Right. Um, you, you know what that's like in terms of running around the track and, and trying to control this thousand pound animal that can run 40 miles per hour, where in polo, it's similar in a sense the horse is powerful their speed but at the same time you have more control you know you train a polo pony um to stop when you say stop and turn a racehorse you're just going around the track until the horse decides it wants to stop pretty much you know yeah you're, you're praying and you're pulling up and you're like in your stirrups and your hands are probably like you know at your chin or in your chest which is probably a bad way to stop the racehorse anyway. But, you know, polo, the, 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 the horse is trained, um, you know, to stop and turn on a dime, as they say, um, which makes it much easier when you're out there riding. In, but it's, you know, riding and playing. But the game itself, you know, the the, the there's two types of polo that um, most people play. You have arena polo, and you have grass polo. Grass polo is probably what most people know, going out stomping the divots and that sort of stuff. The field itself is, you know, as big as nine football fields, so you can place nine football fields on a on a on a polo field. You know, at a very high level, they get, you know, um, uh, you know each player will bring maybe you know, eight to 12 courses to the game. So that's like per player, you know, the, I mean, it requires, I mean, logistically requires a lot um, in terms of just organizing teams, horses, players, all that sort of stuff. Uh, so it's four and four. Um, you have six minute periods, which are called chuckers for it's a contact sport. So, you know, I mean, the best analogy is really, you know, hockey on horseback, you know, we're allowed to check other players um, the rules itself are created for the horse's safety first and then the player's safety. And the object of the game is to score as many goals as you can. Um, and the team with the most goals at the end uh, wins the game. So that's a very like high level kind of overview of the sport. There's obviously complexities to it as in any other sport. Uh, it's it's incredible. And I mean, every time I'm on a horse running down, running down the field at you know, 30 miles per hour, trying to hit a ball, you know, just a little you know, a bit bigger than a baseball, um, and then also, you know, trying to avoid being bumped into by another player, that's exhilarating, it's, it's, it's just incredible, um, you know, hands down, I think the best sport I've ever played in my life.
0: Yeah, it really, yeah, I loved it because I, so I barrel race as a kid, I've done hunter jumpers before college and after college, I've ridden race horses, but with polo, it's the seven minute truckers like, or six minute chuckers, Like you said, I thought they were seven minutes, no,
1: seven minutes. Maybe I said six chuckers, seven minutes long. I could have said oh, okay. six minutes. I
0: yeah. was like, I mean, it's been.
1: Yeah, yeah,
0: years, yeah. So yeah, yeah. no, I could have screwed joking. it up, but yes. So I love that you have time. Cause I tend to like be high anxiety for the first minute. And so you get time to like relax into it and get in the zone. Yeah. Um, also when you, bar- when I barrel race, you know, like. If you have a really good pattern, you're in and out in 15 seconds. That's a yeah. lot of money and time and work for 15 seconds. I'd much rather play a whole game and then I just loved like riding people off and hitting the ball like it just Yeah. so much more fun. But like you said, you know, now as a now that we're like grown-ups and we can't play interscholastic and collegiate anymore, you need a string of 12 horses and yeah. I have one and can barely afford him
1: yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> so, and he's not gonna like he spooks at logs I don't think he would ever make a polo pony I did think about it last year yeah. I was like i will just turn him into a polo pony but anyway yeah it's it's so much fun did you make so when you're playing collegiate and interscholastic you're mostly playing indoor right yes so that's what we were was indoor so have you done much outdoor
1: yeah, I play a lot of outdoor polo, um, but played a lot of indoor polo too. I think because um, I would spend my winter months playing inside and then summer. Yeah. So I would go somewhere and play. Um, so I played, you know, quite a bit. You know, my I prefer when I was a kid, I preferred out indoor just because it was easier in terms of hitting the ball. The ball was a little bigger, yeah. you know. We were, we we um the, the field was smaller and I just just I just played better inside. And then once I got better in, um, older, I started to prefer outdoor more than, more than indoor. Yeah. But honestly, I just want to be on top of a horse and hitting the ball so it could be indoor or outdoor. Yeah. Um, outdoor Obviously it must, that means it must be warm and the weather is great. So that's another great thing. And then the arena, sometimes you go to places where the arena is not heated. So you spend an entire chucker, you know, trying to warm up, and then, you know, or maybe the tire half trying to warm up. And then you, you know, after before you know it, the game's over. <laughs> so yeah. uh so but it's you know, it's it's uh it's all it's all good. I uh, you know nowadays I definitely prefer to play outside.
0: I I groomed some for the Louisville Polo Club, and so I got to play outside with them. And it's such different games because the indoor you're playing off the wall, I felt like it was a lot more like reaction it's a lot faster mm-hmm. and then outdoors, is a lot more like long gallops across the field and they were both really fun and very different
2: yeah like you
1: said they are different games and this, your strategy is completely different you know yeah. how you would play indoor polo um, as a team you would not play the same uh outdoor because you would just get destroyed you know where obviously grass you have such a massive Uh, field to cover to the passes and, you know, and the way you defend is just so completely different because you have to, you know, you're defending an entire field versus a small arena. So the strategy behind it is completely different. Um, And that's always, that was always actually a challenge for me going from the arena to the grass because I would, you know, I was in the habit of playing an arena polo and then trying to transition from you know arena to grass it always take me a good couple weeks because I'm you know thinking like an arena polo player and not thinking like a grass polo player so that yeah. was there was always a challenge there
0: that's I'm jealous I just want <laughs> to tell me okay so I'm assuming most of the listeners haven't read your book yet but I know they will after hearing our interview so tell us do can you tell us the story from the opening of the book yeah bit.
1: um you, you want to know kind of more detail about the game itself and and just
0: I just want to hear like a funny polo story of something something yeah
1: fun. a funny well also the, the story in the book you know at least they have so many funny polo stories but we we're talking well, about the one,
0: one that's not in the book
1: the <laughs> one that's not in the, yeah. the one that's not uh the one that's not in the book. Let me see here. Oh gosh, gosh, gosh. Well, there's one. I don't know how funny this is. Like, it's funny now, but maybe some people aren't finding that funny. But I know one time we were we were we were traveling um, back from a game in Maryland, and um, you know, Leslie, uh, I mean, we would drive up and down the East Coast every summer for, for forever. Yeah. And it was myself. I think my brother Jabbar B., and a couple other kids. And uh, and then we also had Leslie's great dame in the car, in the truck. <laughs> so we're in a pickup truck. Like, you know, maybe only five or six people can fit in the truck, yeah. you know. Um, great. And she has a great dame named Caesar. And and I can't remember if Caesar was in a trailer at one point with the horses or like in a divider. Or if he was, I think he was in the truck with us. I think somehow he always somehow ended up in the, like on our laps with like, three or four of us on the truck and this massive Great Dane, like in the truck. So, you know, we're, we're driving back from Maryland. And as I mentioned, Leslie always had lemons, like all of her cars, trucks, everything's in lemons. And, um, you know, we break down, you know, we, it's just this is actually, my brother played in a tournament. The game was like 6 p.m. So we got on the road around like 8.45, heading back to Philly. So it was dark out, driving on 95 from yeah. Maryland. Then we oh. break down. So we have like just like, I don't know, maybe three or four kids, uh, Leslie and this massive Great Dane. And we have, I think, maybe eight head of horses in the back in the trailer. Wow. So we like, we like break down. And then it was late at night and Leslie just, does for some like crazy reason, does not like to ask for help. So she decided that we were going to sp- spend the night in the gas station with the horses and the dog. Mind you, the dog is in the truck with us and we're all like trying to sleep. Because <laughs> Leslie thought it was too late to call pick, like, the you know the nearby polo people who we were playing with to uh have them come and rescue us. So she said we'll wait until the morning until everyone is rested. Oh my God. So we like sleep. We, we're in like, again yeah, we're at this rest stop. We're sleeping in the car. We're like, you know, going to the nearby hose to go give the horses water, the horses had hay. But the worst part was that we had to sleep in the back of the pickup um, with the big ass Great Dane just like laying across our laps. Um, and we're just like, all just pissed off, angry, you know, late night after the horses, you know, after the, after the game. Um, and we, we stayed, I think we basically didn't get home until the next day until like seven or eight o'clock that day. Cause Leslie had to go, someone had to come pick up the horses, take them to a farm. And then we had to uh, uh, you know, wait until the truck was fixed and then go back to Philadelphia. So that's like one like kind of funny, crazy story. <laughs> But it was, like, yeah, the annoying part was just sitting there, like, waiting, um, you know, not knowing what the hell was going on.
0: Yeah. I'm feeling this common thread because the trainer that I learned to ride from had this huge Rottweiler that went everywhere with us. Yeah. Yeah. she, we would stop at fast food and she would like make us share our hamburgers with the rottweiler and stuff really?
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah
0: <laughs> uh, but we loved the rottweiler but and he would like drool all over some stuff it must be like a, a horse person i think
1: thing. yeah like a horse person thing for yeah. sure
0: yeah because i mean i definitely have my barn dog but but i don't teach yeah letters, yeah you also don't i don't, yeah, a don't, I don't think kids. like
1: a I don't think a great Dane is a good barn dog, especially yeah. when you drive kids around all the time.
0: No, it's not. And they, this is sad. They die too fast. Yeah. would never forget a great Dane because they die too soon.
1: I know as soon as you get attached, they're gone. So it's yeah. uh, not good. Totally I agree. need a
0: solid 15 years, please. Yeah.
2: <laughs>
0: totally. Okay. So another part I loved in the book, and this is when I was no longer able to relate to you, was when <laughs> you you got really good. And you taught you spent a couple chapters talking about uh kind of when y'all went out into the field and you just really started to mesh. And um and the kind like because the whole time you've kind of been struggling and y'all kind of played against each other instead of with each other. Yeah. And so when you really like crossed over, it was just such a cool thing and you did a great job telling about it in the book. Is there anything uh, I, I don't actually have a question. Can you turn this into a question for yeah, me? Yeah, absolutely,
1: yeah, absolutely. No, I can talk. <laughs> no, like like, you know, that moment when we like started clicking as a, as a team, but, you know, I, I knew it's, I mean, I guess, you know, at some point, you know, individually we all started to grow as players, right. We all started to get better and be able to hit the ball. And, and, you know, my brother DeMar was, was you know, growing in size and stronger, um, you know, cause he was small for forever. Um, you know, Brandon, you know, just started to, you know, get the hang of things and playing as well. And and uh, so individually we started to, you know, we were, we, were, we could totally see each of us um, mature as players and, and, and as young boys. And then, you know, and then we had to figure out how to do that as a team, right? Uh never that, we were never selfish as players where, you know, it was like all about one of, you know one of us or no one wanted to play with the other person or we hated playing with each other it was just more about okay strategy and you know how do we how do we execute you could mm-hmm. we watch I was talking I think I, th- I talk about you know how we watch film all the time right we, oh, that's yeah, like, that was that was, uh, that was our way of practicing was by, by watching film yeah. so and in, but we never really had a chance to get on the horse to then try to execute what we were watching on film until we were actually playing so there was never really any practice you know in between film and game it was game, it was film game. And then we would try to, you know, play, you know, try to do what we we saw on film. And, you know, we would, uh, you know, sometimes have success and sometimes fail. Uh, So the repetition came by game. So any, any athlete or anything you do, it's just repetition. It's just trying to get better at it. But you, you, you know, hope that you would have the you know resources or the field or whatever it is that you need to do it you know, and we just didn't have those things where it was cold outside, so we couldn't do it. And we just, you know, uh, we would practice in our minds, right? So it was, you know, visualizing plays and, you know, the, at least for me, you know, playing a pretend game in my head. Like I would just have a game going in my head and, you know, I was playing against guys and, you know, I was running down and you know, what would I do if this guy, the ball bounced here and this guy was getting ready to run into me, how would I avoid fouling this guy? Or, you know, would I take the ball on my offside, which is the right side of the horse, you know, or the near side, which is the left side of the horse? Um, You know, do I back the ball here? What So that was like me visually, you know, playing polo in my head. That was me practicing as well. So, you know, I guess, you know, how to turn this into, the question would be, you know, like, how were you able to really, you know, successfully go out and beat other teams if you really, if you didn't, if you couldn't practice? Mm-hmm. Right. And my answer would be I just practice in my head.
0: Yeah. I love that. I don't know if you read like self-improvement books, but they all say to do that stuff.
1: Yeah, no, no I was, was like, yeah, I was talking your own. And, that, and that's, that's the one thing that I've actually been working on is like not thinking about all these, because I think about way too many things. So uh-huh. it's like, I know, you know, trying to visualize stuff in a weird way kind of creates anxiety for me. So I'm just kind of like, oh, you know, I don't I don't want to think about these things because trying to think about it and leading up to it is just like, but what if it doesn't work out that way? Yeah. But, you know, um, so, but that's a personal thing. So, but yeah, I, I definitely heard, you know, uh, about, you know, these kind of self-help books that talk about those things.
0: I will say, so Hal Elrod, I don't know if you've read any of his stuff, but he says to visualize how you're going to feel. So that might help you with your anxiety stuff. Because he was saying, his example was he wanted to, he was not a runner and he wanted to run like a 40 mile, I don't know what those are even called, ultra marathon or something. Yeah, ultra, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so, but he's like, I didn't even like running a mile. And so he started visualizing how he would feel when he did like his visualization exercises in the morning, he had visualized how he wanted to feel when he put on his shoes and went for a run. And so he kind of like reprogrammed himself instead of, because naturally if you don't want to do it, you're like, Oh, and you have the like,
1: yeah, you'll find every excuse not to do it why don't you find every reason to do it. And that's, and that was, you know, you know, like, I think that's why we had a lot of success too, because we found every reason why we needed to win and like why we wanted to win you know, and I, I think there's was like, so there good. was no difference in like, you know, to you know, sorry, forget the gentleman's name. Who was the guy you just referenced?
0: Hal Elrod.
1: Yeah, yeah. There's no difference. You know, you get on a horse and, you know, it's like, we're going to win this game today, even yeah. though we know we were completely outmatched, you know, the horses were crappy. We're going to win. We're going to win, yeah. you know, and you come up short, but every time we came up short, we were so close to like achieving it. So yeah. you just kept, and And I think that was the best part too, right? Is that you get so close and you're just like, you just, you know, for us, we were just hungry. We kept, we were just hungry each time, but we're we're like, we're there, we're there, you know, we can see the summit. Right. And uh, so it, it was never discouraging when we lost. It was just, it was motivating. And then every time we went into another game or, you know, we played someone better and, you know, we were, we, you know, we went in as the underdogs and that was the best for us. We were always the underdogs until we were no longer the underdogs. But, you know, that was, uh, that that was just, that was this pure motivation for us of just going in is everyone telling us, you can't, or you're going to fail. And it's, it's the best. Like, I mean, even I I, like, I love just being an underdog. I think it's just a it's the best motivation, and you know, I think about even you know our own sports team, like Philadelphia Eagles, here when we went and won the Super Bowl a few years ago. That, that you know they they played with that underdog mentality, and uh I think it works. I think there's a lot of success there because it's different when you have all the pressure to perform, and you're like, oh, okay, I completely just screw that up. You know, whereas yeah. if you fail, failure is just kind of like it's, okay, when it's expected when you're
0: the underdog. And yeah. when you're a dog, you're like, you know what? I can learn from it.
1: Like exactly. Said, exactly.
0: Nowhere to go, but up. Okay. So a lot of your book is talking about the work to ride program with lessons. Yes. And you know, as a horse person who can barely afford my one horse, I it blows my mind that she yep. has this barn full of horses and that she's providing it all for free. And I don't understand how she pays for it. So um how I know that you've started your your fundraising that goes into that. Like how can people support the work to ride program? Actually,
1: before
0: we talk about that, I think it's more important for you to mention like what does work to ride mean to you? Like what does it mean to you and to the community?
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, work to me, Leslie founded the organization um, you know, back in '94. And uh I don't think she expected to be what it is today. The fact, I mean, in terms of just the success of all the kids who've come through the organization and, you know, how popular it's become over the years. Um, I know she, in her mind, she just wanted to go help people. And if it was one or two, she would have been okay with that. And, uh, but the organization has done an incredible job for um, the city of Philadelphia in particular. But I think it also, you know, has provided a number of opportunities for kids locally, but you know, it it also showed people around the world, you know, what one person who has a you know kind heart can do and how they can transform lives, right? I think you know, in a way, it you know, hopefully inspired other people to do good in the world. But you know, for me particularly, it completely transformed my life, gave me a second chance at life. Um, it exposed me to a world I had no idea existed outside of West Philadelphia, you know, and you know, and it's continuing to do the same. Um, You know, Leslie is a -a one-of-a-kind person who, you know, not, you can't really compare her to many people, not really anyone. She's just special in her own way. Um, You know, there are, you hear people talk about special people, um, you know, not kind of comparing her to like Dr. Martin Luther King or anything, but, you know, she's kind of in that, like, that care of special people who made a huge difference, right, and who's, you know... Um, who's like, you know, materially changing things? It's not, you know, it's not uh, just someone who's helped one kid and um, that's, that's it. But, and she's still doing it every day, uh, well into her 60s, uh, which is incredible. But in terms of how people can get involved and help, you know, we, we are in the middle of a $8 million capital campaign to uh, help build a new facility, indoor riding facility at our current site and then refurbish our site that we have um, now. And then hopefully endow the program too, so that we can support, you know, many, many kids into the future. Uh, but, you know, we have a website, which is, you know, Uh, uh There are ways for, people to do, to, to, there's ways for people to donate there, you know, and there are many volunteering opportunities as well, uh, you know, and so the, the program has been around for 27 years and we're hoping to, you know, have it around for another quarter of a century, if not more.
0: Yeah. All right. So people need to go to the website if they want to donate. Yeah. And I, in preparation for the interview, watched an interview that you and she did on, I think, CBS. And she was talking about, she just realized, you know, a lot of these kids, she thought they would bring a lunch and then she realized yeah. they don't have a lunch to bring. Like, yeah. can people like send groceries? Like, can we? Uh,
1: yeah. I mean, it's yeah. all just tons of ways to get involved, but, you know, definitely, you know, afternoon snacks and, you know, stuff or, you know, I know there have been folks who dropped off food and fresh produce and those things. And all that stuff is welcome. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, it's not just, you know, you know, we we don't just accept checks accept yeah. many forms of, uh, of uh, donations. So. So, yeah, Are you
0: still there a lot.
1: Yeah, I'm still boss. So I serve on the board, actually, of work to Ride, um, as a treasurer. So uh, Leslie and I talk uh, nearly like almost every day. Um, so, uh, so still very involved.
0: Yeah. That's so cool. Okay. So kind of in a different direction, I, I feel like, you know, the, the thing with work to ride is it's, she's in West Philly and part of the hardest part of your book, you know, I talk about all the fun stuff like polo, but there's some really hard threads in it because you grew up in a really rough area that a lot of us, you know, I grew up in the burbs. Like I know that exists. I, I grew up in the suburb of Jackson Mississippi which is a really rough like I think per capita the highest murder rate because it's smaller than like Philadelphia so like I know it exists but I've never you know the only time I'm there is when I take a wrong turn (laughs) you know so it's hard to like even fathom and you really dug deep into that in your book and it was and in a way it was it was beautiful and the whole like there's not there's not a clear answer there's not like you know we can do this and then it's going to be fixed and everyone is going to have a better life you know because we yeah. don't really want everyone to have a better life um, but you grappled with that and i know you're you know you, you still have family there and stuff and i guess i it's like one of these things i don't even like to talk about it. i don't think anyone likes to talk about it because we don't know what to do about it
1: yeah
0: and you know it's like if we can't fix it what the, then we just cry like i <laughs> I care about people. So I'm like, if I can't fix it, I'm just going to cry over it with you, you know? And, um, so what's like, is, is there something that people can do to help? Or is there like, is there something you wish people would talk about or realize? Yeah, no,
1: I mean, again, you know, there's there's so many like social issues and stuff that are going on that also, you know, factors into the day-to-day life of someone where I grew up. Right. You know, that's, that's, that's it. I think that's a whole, that's a separate conversation there, Um, you know, but you see people like Leslie, Leslie similar to you, you know, she didn't grow up in the worst neighborhood, but she also didn't have any money really as a kid. Um, She had a little, you know, enough to, to, to eat and, you know, but I don't, I don't ever remember her talking about struggling and dealing with violence and all that sort of stuff. But, you know, what can people do? You know, I think people can, you know, first try to understand what the individuals and families are going through in those communities, right? You know, what is, you know, why an individual may feel oppressed or, or you know, what, what are they lacking that is not allowing them to excel or to go on beyond, you know, a high school education or, um, you know, they, you know, are stuck working a minimum wage shop. Not saying there's anything wrong with working a minimum wage shop, but why can't someone kind of move up into their upper echelon? um you know i think the first step is to go try to understand right and that's you know not you know actually you know turning in that into that community because you want to right you know and that's because uh okay um you know is it are there any programs that we can create that's going to support or you know is there any educational things that you know um or any educational initiatives that i can get involved in or want to Create, you know. I think the biggest thing really is education, you know, because you don't know what you don't know, kind of thing, yeah. right? And so, you know, if no one knows that, um, you know, there's all these other resources out there to improve your life, uh, because you know, someone just someone who knows decided not to go share that with an individual, they're probably just going to be stuck there, um, yeah. you know. And one of the things that you know I talk about a lot. Um, one of, the, one of the words I use a lot, especially in a lot of, um, you know, recent, most recently in a lot of interviews and stuff I've done is talk about exposure, right? Um, mm-hmm. The fact that I had the opportunities to go to places like the Hamptons and to go and travel to wherever any, I mean, even different parts of Philadelphia, right? Like mm-hmm. leaving the, the bottom where I grew up and just seeing a different side of the city. Like, I know that there's other stuff out there and that that in itself just inspired me to go and try to go and do something different. But I think there's a a lot that people just simply just don't know. They're just not educated, they just don't know. Um, So I, a long way of answering the question really is just, you know, I would just invite and welcome people to just figure out, you know, try to get involved in a community or kind of try to go understand. Let's just have the conversations with people from those areas, um, figure out what what is it that they need? How can I help? And it's not just throwing money at stuff because we yeah. all know that doesn't work, but you know, it's bigger things. You know, I even think about all like people who are dealing with, like mental health issues in those communities, right? That's something so little, I mean,
2: yeah.
1: not a little thing, but it's something that no one would even think about to go in to go check on or figure out how to gain, you know, get people access to therapy, you know, where that in itself can allow someone to turn their life around and go do something better. So there's only there's so many things that factor into why, you know, people are struggling where where I grew up or the, the, the crime and, the, and the, you know, just the overall poverty that the people deal with there. Um, but I just encourage people to go and try to go, um, go, go understand why.
0: Okay. I love that. I mean, it also, it makes me, it reminds me of, um, I read a lot of self-help yeah. books or self-improvement or whatever we yeah. want to call it. You know, one of the big things is you become like the people you spend the most time with, mm-hmm. but when you're, when you're stuck in that, and that is your life, that's who you spend the time with. Yeah. And so, that's, so it just becomes this cycle. And if yeah. you
1: can,
0: you know, like you were able to, you went, to the hamptons and you went to military school and you were able to get around different people and get influenced enough and mm-hmm. um it's like maybe it makes me wonder if maybe even just like some kind of friendship mentor program like it's not it, even it is it i mean it's, it's just like hey like there's more let me be one of your five people
1: you absolutely know? you know getting the bus and bringing a couple of kids out to the stables just to see the horses you know like yeah. That doesn't take much for anyone you know get a van or something that's like let's go you know see what's out in this part of the neck of the woods you know and, and um you know i think it's you know people don't gotta throw millions of dollars i think just very small gestures will be uh meaningful
0: okay that's what you know i've never felt like i could throw millions of dollars and i'm always but that seems what you know on the surface that's what that's what you see you get online Give some money. And I love, you know, because there's so many horse people close to where I live. You know, like let's all go grab a couple kids, like you said. Absolutely. So we yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. So (laughs) the cops
0: don't follow us to let Yeah,
1: no, exactly. But it's just little small, like, you know, like again, Leslie's gesture or what she did was not, you know, she didn't she didn't have the funds to go do something big. You know, she just found a couple kids and it grew into something bigger than she thought it was going to be. You know right, wow. um, and so there's so many things that um, that does not require any money that you and and, 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 um, and you can make a difference.
0: Yeah, thank you. I'm inspired. I don't know <laughs> inspired, but now I'm like, okay, I'm gonna go find a kid. Yeah, yeah. Take to the bar with me. Yeah. So thank you. All right. Well, I think that's it. Is there anything else you want to share or talk? No, about?
1: I honestly and I truly mean this, this was probably one of the better interviews. I, I loved your questions. They were great. And it was not so like, you know, just themed or I guess you you asked some different questions. It was just nice. It was great. Yeah. Uh, so I, I really enjoyed, um, I enjoyed the conversation, you know, because it's all about, you know, very particular questions about the book, like, which is fine. But I like that you, um, you know, you, you kind of, brought a different, uh, style to it. So I appreciate it.
0: Well, good. Thank you. I really just genuinely like to know people. Like, I think everyone has a fascinating story and everyone has something to share that we can all learn from. And, and so I just like to get to know people.
1: No, that's great. No, I I appreciate it. And yeah, I'm glad we were finally able to make it happen. You know, I was able to take a break and get back to it. So um, I heard that uh, you
0: went to Breeders Cup with Streamhorse. Well, you with Natalie from Streamhorse.
1: I, I was at Breeders Cup. I saw Natalie there. Yeah. I okay. Because I
0: was like, I'm a little jealous, and yeah. how do I get people to take me to Breeders Cup? Like, yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> no, I uh, actually got. I was asked to be a part of their celebrity ambassador program, and so, <laughs> <laughs> so they asked me, and they um, flew me out for uh, a couple of days, and it was great. So it was really it incredible. Good. That was an incredible experience. It was, it was, it was great. So I was, I got to go to the Preakness a few years ago and loved that as well. Uh, and then this was just, you know, just as just as great as uh, kind of hanging out with all the, the fancy horses and fancy people um, yeah. uh, at the Preakness. So, so yeah. So maybe one day you can become as my guest to the, the Breeders Cup because it's yes. a it's a it's an annual thing and. I, I expect i'll receive another invitation uh, oh good next i year am the so there event, so
0: i'm i'm also going to start training a racehorse my friend and i are going to do this thing and we're going to attempt to be backyard racehorse trainers <laughs> okay. one horse at a time so if you ever want to come gallop it come on
1: i'll I'm wait scared. until i'll wait until it's ready for me to gallop uh, okay and then <laughs> Uh, you know, you let me know when you have a few gallops in, and then I'll come right. get
0: on it. <laughs> I'm already nervous because I'm remembering how hard it was, and I'm like, "Am I prepared for this? Maybe." Yeah, I yeah, I know. I, I need to,
1: I need to work out a little bit more and ride yeah. a little bit more, and then uh, I'll Sit on the get on the rowing you.
0: machine. Exactly. Welcome on
1: your racehorse. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Thank you so much to Kareem Rosser for being a guest on the show. If y'all want to learn more about Kareem or check out his book. It is called Crossing the Line, and it is where wherever you like to buy your books. It's in all the places, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Books Million. Your local bookstore probably has it or can get it for you. Um, it was such a fantastic read, and I can't recommend it enough. And thank you, Kareem, again, for being on the show. I am super inspired. I can't wait to send this to all my friends and convince them to hatch a plan <laughs> to go out and help some kids and change some lives. So thank you so much.
2: Wall by the fieldside offers a view, thinking of you. The candle of late night shines upon. very many mi-